the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Liebson. As we head into Hour 2 this Wednesday, June 15th, it's a delight to do so, as we do every week with our Congressman, Representative David Schweikert, who's been tearing it up on the House floor. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if tearing it up is... Yeah, um, uh, actually, the curse word I can't use, but I've been really annoying. I understand, um, but Democrat you know, if I, I'm looking at your tweeting, the, the 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 YouTube and tweet followers and retweets, you're you're tearing it up, my friend. You're you're speaking yeah, truth yeah, to I power. Guess last night's speech is yeah. is taken off. Yeah, there was last, uh, someone told me it was already up to like sixteen thousand. Oh, it's views yeah, no, like it's that. it's important work. Let's let's reprise some of it for the audience. I'm a little tired, David. Honest to gosh, I'm a little tired. With this notion that the other side has a monopoly on compassion and decency, particularly for the vulnerable, the working class and the uh, what shall we say, underappreciated or underprivileged historically like women. You were doing some of this on Twitter, too. Let's start with the women and uh, real wage loss uh, compared to how they did. Oh, I don't know. Five and six years ago. Well, look, well. Four or five and six years ago. The Ways and Means Committee hearing today, Mm -hmm. full committee, Ways and Means, they brought in a handful. Remember, Republicans only get a single witness, and then Democrats get as many as they want. And they brought in multiple speakers. They all had powerful personal stories of hardship, and each one of them broke into tears and cried. But it was really actually incredibly exploitive and cruel. The Democrats basically set this up for video. Mm-hmm. They turned these people into video puppets. And it wasn't a discussion on, hey, here's where how inflation is crushing these families. Here's how shutting down schools crushed these families so they couldn't work and they had to stay home with the kids. You know, how, co- you know, how the Democrats approached COVID, how the Democrats' excessive spending set off inflation. Instead, they were exploiting. So when it became my turn, you know, you basically pull out the chart and say, you do understand in the 15 months the Democrats have had absolute control here in Washington. They control the House, they control the Senate, they control the White House. Working women have already lost uh, 120th of functioning their income. The inflation ha- has pulled real wages down 5%. And, it, and that's only counting up to like two months ago when we had our last calculation with this last inflation reading, particularly for us in the Phoenix area where it's probably closer to 11%, it's much worse. And apparently that really upset the Democrats of being (laughs) held to the cruelty, to the damage, to the economic violence they've committed, even though it was their hearing telling us how compassionate they were. And it's when it comes to women's real wage losses, you you and your folks at Ways and Means put up a great handy chart over at Twitter using uh, BLS Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, It's across every 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 group: uh, white women, black women, Hispanic women. Real wage loss throughout the Biden administration. During the Trump administration, uh, it rose across every group. Um, And and the 
it's more than that. Um, I think it was either 18 or 19 was a year of almost just uh, unbelievable success. Right. If African-American women had like this 6.7 or 6.9, it was a stunning amount that they beat all categories in wage growth. Mm-hmm. And it was a demonstration that growth is moral. Mm-hmm. If you get the economics right, if you get the regulatory, the tax code right, the expansion of the economy does takes care of so many sins, but also rewards those who are willing to work. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. You opened your speech uh, in Congress, the floor speech uh, that I was watching, by talking about the continuation of a theme and how inflation has affected different elements of American society. Yes, the women, of course, but also the working poor. I mean, you just went down a list well, of how... And, and there's something, it's, it's, and I know I just interrupted. No, no, go ahead. It's, it's You're the guest. It's concern. We all talk about our misery today at the pump. Right. Or if you're going to buy a steak. But we're, we're missing, actually, how inflation actually rips apart society. Okay. And, and that is because... Today's economic damage, the real economic violence may not be seen for two years, five years, ten years. We've been working on a model that says for seniors in retirement that if medical inflation stays where it's at and the COLA still underperforms in Social Security and these things, the you may see a doubling of American seniors who are in poverty. Um, and, and, but you don't see that day, it takes a few years. At least Social Security is intact for them. Well, yeah, uh, right, right, it, right. It's a, in a decade, you know, there's yeah. you know, I, I about being, Yeah, no, I was being sarcastic. Cut. I shouldn't have been, but I was. And but, then yeah. if you also have to do a 20% match on your Medicare, right. and Medicare, your prices, healthcare prices have gone up dramatically, um, for many seniors, every dime of their Social Security check is just going to go to healthcare. These are things inflation does in ripping apart a society. Young people can't buy houses. Um, your savings, the value of your savings are being stripped away from you and paying and putting on government debt. Um, and that's sort of the economic transfer of your, the loss of the value of your dollar. And no one's talking about we're going to have a decade of just cleaning up the mess that the Democrats have created the last 15 months. Yeah, I I, w- I would imagine that's about right, and I I don't know how long we're gonna have to continue to clean up the mess that you know on top of which we caused by shutting everything down for two and a half years. I mean, I think we're gonna have mess after mess. We're gonna need a bigger broom, is it, how the movie it, line should but go. The, but the inflation is so distorting, yeah, because it it it, it blows up the value, yeah, of your savings. It it creates incredible misalignment of resources in the society. Well, think um, about the toxic confluence of eating up your savings while going into debt to buy gas and groceries. Think about can, that. Can, well, can I keep, but, but I need you to think more future. Um, can I give you a simple example? Please. Okay. Horrible inflation, late 70s, early 80s. Um, Reagan comes along, economy grows. But by the late 80s, we have the banking system. Remember, we used to have savings and loans here in Phoenix. Yes, and Lincoln and all up. that, right. The reality they substantially blew up because lots of banking changes had been made so they could stay solvent during inflation. And then when the tax codes changed, all of a sudden, as a derivative of inflation, a decade later, 
we had the Resolution Trust Corporation, mm-hmm. the RTC, mm-hmm. cleaning up a mess. It, it's Inflation isn't just today and tomorrow. It lingers in misalignment of capital and causes amazing, amazing hardship. One of the one of the things that I, I, I just don't understand politically, David, and, and take away the economics. Well, maybe don't, but it's a political question more than an economic question, which is if we stay in the present for a moment and you think about what we are putting working poor through right now, the working poor or even just the middle class, I mean, it's hard for everyone to fill up their gas tank, A, to get to work and B, to go to the number of stores they have to go to to get the supplies that they need because they're not all in the one store anymore because of the food and, and supply shortage that goes everywhere from the foods you described to uh, baby formula to I guess we're now dealing with a, a shortage of uh, tampons for women too or I guess menstruating yeah. men if you want to be generous. We get your point. You, you take my point. David, how is how is this a party that's, that, that is going to get any votes from, from, from the community of the middle class because and the working poor? We'll go back to the straw men model. Um, and once again, Democrats, people on the left, um, believe they should be judged on their intention, their feelings, their virtue signaling. Um, conservatives, we ultimately judge on, okay, How'd the tax reform do for society? How'd the regulatory reform do for society? Um, you know, we get judged on the final outcome of our policies. They get judged on the feeling, the intention. It's, it's pure virtue signaling. Um, now, I also believe independence, um, much of America, is fed up. They, they realize they were told they were going to get normality, they were going to get stability, and instead they got really fringe policies and a blowing up of the U.S. economy. You um, met recently, you tweeted out a meeting that you had recently with a group I really like, the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Oh, yes. And one of the things that it looks like you were all talking about is something I haven't heard a lot of talk about, which is workforce shortage. Can you address your concerns and their concerns on that for oh, yeah. a moment or two? Yeah, but this is all up and down the line. Okay. Um, we met with a number of you know construction companies and folks who were trying to find encourage people to join the construction trades. Um, what happens in a society where the Democrats, and, and we have testimony to this, so I'm not making this up. We have testimony saying, it's well, we, it's okay. We should be sending out checks and never, ever require people to work. Right. And there's this really detailed... Um, University of Chicago, so so a handful of their economists um, several months ago did a study saying that the Democrats sort of build back better model of handing people money and telling them there's no work requirement, there's no need to look for work, actually by the end of the decade made those very people poor because they developed no skill set, mm-hmm. they developed no labor attachment, mm-hmm. they, they, there was no progress in their line. And it turns out we're seeing some of that in society today. The checks that were handed out last year sort of severed what they call labor force attachment. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean to be geeking out. No, I, love, I like the phrase. That's great. So, so we actually right now have a real problem, particularly with males under 35, who aren't participating in the workforce. Right. And right. to grow yourself out of, uh, of the you know, inflation, those things, you need productivity growth means you need labor force participation. So the Federal Reserve right now is going to raise up interest rates to break the back 
of work. Mm -hmm. Um, So lots of people are going to get laid off instead of doing just the opposite of policies to encourage people, take a job, invest in productive equipment, make more stuff. Because Congress is incapable, Democrats are incapable of admitting their model of consumption, of just handing out money, handing out money, is what's caused the economic damage. Yeah, and it's not as if we weren't having a problem going into this when it came to the workforce and males. Uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the work. I can send it your way if you haven't. Oh, no. It's, Nicholas Eberstadt and all that. I mean, it's, 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 you know, we took a problem and we compounded it. I'm glad you're on it, brother, so much. So um, really appreciate you so much, David Schweikert. You're very kind. I hope that wasn't too geeky. No, I like it. I like it. What is it? Labor force attachment? Is that the phrase? Yes. I love it. I'm going to use it. David, Godspeed. Until next week. All Thank right. you very much, sir. Go Take get him. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. If you missed my interview with Tom Jones, he's just a fascinating guy. He's uh, fueled and sponsored by Balance of Nature to help teach American history to families and kids. How cool is that? Not to mention the fantastic product that Balance of Nature is. I take it every single day. It is 100% pure, potent plant power. 100% pure. 100%. No additives. Third-party tested blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables. You take it once a day and you are good to go. Balanceofnature.com for their fruits and veggies. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Great product, great company. Matt is in Phoenix. Maybe calling about something I'm not sure about, but should be sure about. Matt, hi. Hey, Seth. Um, I just was curious to know your thoughts on the trend of i-buying, and I may be getting the term wrong, and I apologize if I am, but uh, the trend where corporate investment entities are purchasing large blocks of residential homes. Matt, you're going to have to just tell me a little bit more about it and the audience. I this is This is educational for me as well as the audience. It's not something I know much about. Trend lately, and uh, I've become aware of it in the Phoenix market uh, because of pretty prolific advertising, uh, you know, by companies like 72 sold. Uh And, uh, you know, they've introduced a model wherein, you know, these companies are using investment dollars to purchase residential real estate. So I'm wondering if long-term that's going to become a large-scale impediment to individual homeownership. For, and first-time homeownership at that, probably, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. it's an interesting uh, question. Know, Again, I, I'll just confess my ignorance, and I'm glad you put it out there, because as you're talking, I think I know the person to ask about it and maybe get on the show. Uh, he's involved in uh, both commercial and residential real estate here, but comes at things from a perspective that, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, is probably the same perspective you and me and most of the audience would come from. He's he's local. He knows this stuff. Let me um, let me just ask if we can bookmark it until I get him on or talk to him and can give you all some feedback on it. It's not an issue I had been tracking, but I'm I'm glad you put it on the screen. Oh, of course, yeah, and. Uh... Very interested to get yeah. uh, any expert-level sure. feedback you might have. Sure, sure, sure. And is your concern over it, just so I know where to zero in on this, is your concern the impediment this could, pose, uh, this could pose, this could present 
to first time homeowner is that is that basically it or at least families struggling well, to buy yeah, a home? Yeah. Uh, you know some some things that I've uh, come across just where you know one of the advantages to people who are in the selling position is that rather than them have to worry about individual homeowners qualifying for a mortgage yep. these companies are able to make all cash offers yep and frequently at you know superior prices yeah you can't compete what, with it yeah you just can't yeah right and you know given that home ownership has been a way where Americans have been able to elevate through you know, appreciation of their property value. And then, you know, for some folks that are actually getting the home paid all the way off, that allows them with no housing expense to more easily transition to retirement, yep. and you know, and then potentially be able to pass that asset down to their children. All of it. Yeah. Which, it's a real cradle to grave thing. Ownership is a discussion. It's a, it's a, it's a word a phrase that uh, has been in the past part of various uh, conservative political campaigns, ownership society. You might've heard a phrase similar to that or that phrase exactly, Matt. Uh, and it's not something we've talked about lately is my first thought. Um, and so I'm glad you brought it up as a sociological issue. O- ownership key, keenly important to um, not just uh enterprise and capitalism, but keenly important to human success and thriving. Uh, my old boss, Jack Kemp, used to say, uh, how many people do you know ever take a rental car to the car wash? And and, and that that's its own class in economics right there, I think. The other concern, and I know you didn't bring this up, Matt, but it's just part of, I don't know, an ever-increasing bundle of things that just kind of make you think things are getting worse and worse in this country and harder and harder in this country. And that wasn't the case. This is new. This is a new feeling. Am I wrong about the feeling? There is this feeling that things are getting worse and worse and not going to get better for a while. That's new. By new, I think you can put the date on it. I don't think I have to do it. I don't want to fracture the inferences, they say. But man, it looks like we have a long road to go to dig out of this. David Schweikert was talking about the mess we have to clean up from just inflation and COVID. Yeah, and a lot more than that. A lot more than that. Thank you, Matt. I will work on that. I appreciate your uh, putting it on the table. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-5080-960, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leeson Show, 602-508-0960. Did that go over the air, what I said? It's okay if it did. I'll tell you. <laughs> what, what do Bill and I do on the break when we aren't arguing about music? Um, Bill has a, a locked, uh, a steel trap memory. And uh, once in a while when I'll play something for him, that's kind of a good monologue. Not of mine, but, you know, like from a TV show or a movie. He'll commit it to memory. And uh, it's pretty impressive. He's been doing that with a lot of old Magnum P.I. episodes. I should just say Magnum P.I. episodes. There's only one Magnum P.I. It's Magnum, P.I. And it starred Tom Selleck. It's not there's, – there's not a show, as far as I'm concerned, that is like that, that has happened since it went off the air in 1988. I mean, they got rid of the comma. They got rid of Higgins, so they didn't get rid of Higgins. Higgins in the original – this is another part of the, how our culture dies. In the original Magnum P.I., Higgins was a World War II veteran, Jonathan Hilleman, a male. It's now Higgins is a girl. It just doesn't work. 
it, it, more on masculinity. Anyway, we were thinking about July 4th and one of Magnum's, uh, Tom Selleck's uh, great opening uh, lines in an episode called Home from the Sea. Anyway, we'll do July 4th when we approach it a little more closely, when we get there, uh, when we get there a little uh, a little later. Um, 602-508-0960. There's a lot going on at Fox and occasionally some other uh, talk radio hosts saying, well, when you lose you, – you've heard this expression. When you lose the Washington Post or when you lose the New York Times or when you lose CNN – and they usually say it about Democrats you know, or a Democratic administration when they start to criticize them. When you lose CNN, you know you're in trouble. Um, this is a game beware. Obsta principis, as my classics professor Steve Glass used to tell us. Obsta principis, beware of first thoughts. Beware of first or initial reactions. CNN, okay, I'll play the clip. It, it, it's a good clip. Um, but if you think that they're going to double down on this, much less triple down, much less not return to type come September and October – you just haven't been around long enough. Of course it's okay for them now to once in a while do a little bit of criticism of this White House or this president. Now it is. But, you know, come September, October, you mark my words, they're going to be circling the wagons. Um, they know where their bread is buttered, and uh, they also know, the Democrats also know, that CNN has to do this from time to time. Uh, and boy, <laughs> did they do it. Boy, did they do it. This is Harry Enten speaking with um, – speaking with uh, – what's his name? Uh, Anderson Cooper. Sorry. <laughs> this is Harry Enten speaking with Anderson Cooper. Harry Enten works for CNN. He is their data cruncher. He is their poll an- an- analysis. Remember Chris Steyerwalt at Fox, that uh, shameful, shameful uh, a- analyst at Fox News? who uh, ultimately got dismissed and fired and actually I think just testified the other day at the January 6th hearing. He is their Steyerwalt. He is the guy that does this for them. Uh, I, have, I have a minute or two, don't I? I can, I can get this in. This is Harry, uh, Harry Enten with um, Anderson Cooper on uh, CNN yesterday. This inflation in, in context, how bad is the surge in prices? Uh, it's awful. I mean, it's awful, and how people feel about it is even worse. You know, you look at the consumer sentiment right now, and what do you see? This is the worst consumer sentiment ever measured by the University of Michigan, going all the way back since 1952. Wow. Uh, You basically, even if you double my age, that doesn't get you back to 1952. And while I'm young, I'm not that young, right? Uh, The second worst, 1980. The third worst, 1980. I don't have to remind you. Inflation got Jimmy Carter. It killed that presidency. And in terms of why are consumers feeling this bad? Well, it's pretty clear why they're feeling this bad. And that is because the consumer price index is the worst it's ever been in a midterm cycle since 74. It's the worst it's been in any uh, presidential cycle or midterm cycle since 1980. So it's not much of a surprise. You can see it. It's literally off the charts on the table on your screen. And wh- how does President Biden's performance rate? Awful. I mean, I, mean, I, knew that was the I almost want to try and compare it to Carter at this point, his presidency, right? Look at the disapproval rating Joe Biden has on inflation right now. It's over 70 percent. Carter, Carter was not even there at this point in mid-1978. When you're doing worse than Jimmy Carter's doing in the minds of Americans on inflation, you know that they're holding you responsible for the conditions that are currently on the ground that are hurting Americans in their pocketbooks. Someone said, who was it? Don't remember who put this on earlier today. Said, you know, Jimmy Carter is still alive. 
and uh, CNN is based in Atlanta. Maybe he'll send them some flowers or something or peanuts. I, what, 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 what can he do for them? I don't know. <laughs> He's, they just resurrected his presidency to make it also not the least good presidency. Jimmy Carter is better than Joe Biden. So saith CNN. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Y-Refi. These are friends of mine. I got to know them when they approached us to talk to me and tell me about their business, offering you, an investor, a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is in the business of helping people dig out of debt the right way by actually just paying off their debts and doing it with dignity and getting all kinds of benefits along the way, including tremendous FICO score recovery. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. As I say, they are great guys. You can you can check them out. InvestYRefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, and then R-E-F-Y.com. Local company. You can visit them. 855-316-3087 is their number. Eight five five three one six three zero eight seven. You won't get a sales pitch. They'll just tell you what they do, tell you about it, and let it speak for itself. Um, I want to return to something that we talked a little bit about in the first hour, and we talked a little bit about it yesterday, particularly in my monologue, and that's this issue of the Gannett Corporation, owner of USA Today, Arizona Republic, uh, it's the largest. Uh, it's the largest newspaper chain in the country, and how they are cutting back on their opinion pages and op-ed pages. And the moment I saw the first story on this, which was June first, when the new editorial uh, page editor at the Arizona Republic announced it for the Arizona Republic. I knew something fishy was afoot, and I knew there was a tell hidden in here, and it wasn't what they were telling us. Uh, We dealt with some of it yesterday. I dealt with some of it at the top of the uh, show in the last hour. Uh, But the guys at Issues and Insights got their finger on it just right. Apparently, editors at Gannett decided readers don't want us to tell them what to think or, put another way, They just don't need opinion pages when the news is doing a fine job of already telling readers what to think. In the words of a Fox News report, Gannett is scaling back its opinion pages in an effort to combat a perception of having political bias and a political agenda. But that seems more like a cover than a genuine reason, since when has the leftist corporate media been shy about coloring the events of the day and worshiping at the altar of their political gods? In just the years since Donald Trump announced his 2016 presidential candidacy, the media, and not just newspapers, used news reports to do all they could to first run Trump's campaign aground, and when that didn't work, diligently peddle the narrative that Trump was a Russian stooge and had to be removed from office. For anyone who even lightly scrolled through the media's output during the Trump term, It was nigh on impossible to avoid claim after claim that the bombshell revelation, which was going to bring Trump down, was in the air and on its way to the target. The media were and still are obsessed 
with Trump. Look at how they're trying to ratchet up the January. I said to Andy McCarthy yesterday, I'll say it again, vis-a-vis January 6th. I think I'm absolutely right. You look at what the DOJ is charging. You look at what the January 6th committee is investigating. They're not even making Donald Trump an unindicted co-conspirator in their insurrection or sedition charges. That's better than what was done to Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was an unindicted co-conspirator in the Watergate crimes, which is to say Donald Trump had less to do with January 6th, according to the lawyers who want to get him and the Democrats on the January 6th committee who want to get him had less to do with January 6th than Richard Nixon had to do with Watergate. And the one thing I think, if not think, hope most people know about Richard Nixon and Watergate is there is yet to be one scintilla of proof or evidence. They're two different things. I have to remind people all the time. Evidence and proof are two different things. There is not one scintilla of evidence or proof that Richard Nixon ordered the Watergate break-in or knew about it beforehand. All of the crimes that he was you know, thrown out of office for, high crimes and misdemeanors that were being alleged against him that he resigned before they took effect, you know, before they could vote on him, all of that was about after-the-fact cover-up. After-the-fact cover-up, by the way, for his subordinates, which was a whole different degree than what Bill Clinton did, which was use his underlings to cover up for him. Nixon was trying to cover up the crimes of his underlings. Nixon was trying to engage his underlings. It's called misprision, a felony. Trying to You like that phrase, misprision, a felony? Trying to get his underlings to cover up for him. Quite a bit different. And as the Democrats in the Department of Justice are trying to make this case that Donald Trump is responsible for January 6th, not any kind of after-effect cover-up, but responsible for it, initiating it, catalyzing it, creating it. They've got less on him than they have Richard Nixon, which every historian knows. There's not a scintilla of evidence or proof Nixon did, had any knowledge or forethought of the Watergate break-in. Just worth keeping in mind when we think about how the media and the Democrats are playing these things. This is why a sense of history might help be helpful once in a while. If not for the love of this country, then for the love of the truth, love of fact, love of politics. Anyway, nowhere can be found a more damning piece of evidence that the press was unified in its effort to destroy Donald Trump than in the compilation of snippets. We've played them before. You've heard them from reporters, anchors, and pundits continually saying the walls were closing in on Donald Trump and expressing an unwavering certainty that we were at a turning point or a tipping point or the beginning of the end of his presidency throughout over every little door Donald Trump opened and every knob he turned. It's worth – you can find these snippets. You can find the video snippets online, whatever your favorite media player is. And check it out. Shameful and nauseating montage of lockstep journalists following in lock, – other lockstep journalists – Saying, yeah, closing in, turning walls closing in, tipping point, turning, turning point, the beginning of the end, constitutional crisis. You know, it dawns on me, no one ever declared the constitutional crisis over. At least when Jerry Ford took office, he said our long national nightmare is over. I didn't hear 
didn't hear that the constitutional crisis is over. I think it's kind of one of those Jeff Goldblum Jurassic Park moments where in Jurassic Park 2 they were trying to convince Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum, that they'd figured out all the old problems. And he said, yes, and you're creating a whole new series of new problems. Uh, You know, I don't know what the constitutional crisis was. It was never quite explained to me. It seemed to me the Constitution was pretty much intact. People had their freedoms. In fact, more freedom to dissent and protest the president than probably any time since, what, hey, hey, LBJ, 1968, while they were screaming tyranny. <laughs> um, I don't know what the constitutional crisis was. It was just a phrase they liked to use because it sounded scary. Beware the political leader that uses fear. To get support. It's called demagoguery. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Oh, let's see if we can work this in real quick. Hello, Eric. Eric's calling in from Phoenix. How are you, sir? Hi. Um, I called to thank you for uh, recognizing the sacrifice of veterans yesterday. Oh, okay. I. I served in Vietnam, and things have really changed since I came back. Um, I rode the, flew the Freedom Bird back to Seattle-Tacoma, and there was a photographer and a partner waiting. And there was also a group of people spitting at us, yeah. jeering and calling us baby killers. Yeah. And today things have really gotten better. Yeah. It was a sad, sad, sad time, Eric. You know, um, I was talking to some people who were probably roughly around your age uh, a couple, three years ago. And I said, is this the worst uh, time in America you've ever seen? And they, they, they were hesitant to say so. As bad as things were with COVID and all that, they were talking about the Vietnam era because what they were saying was – in those days, they saw something they thought they'd never see, and they haven't seen it since, which was Americans rooting for the enemy, literally rooting for the enemy and cheering the destruction and decimation of their own military. They had never seen that before Vietnam. They haven't seen it since. That's what you're describing, isn't it, sir? Yes. It's an awful thing. And I thank, first of all, thank you for your service and uh, sacrifice. Thank you for your call. Um, I, I'm up at the end. I, I, I often think about people in the military. I, it, it, I have like two, maybe three at most regrets in life, serious ones. One of them was not going that route. I had a lot of friends I helped in college go that route, helped them get into officer candidate school and stuff. It, I was going a different direction. But it's one of my few regrets. But one of the things that's always on my mind about it is something John Stuart Mill wrote. It was He was an Englishman trying to explain to America uh, things that we had taken for granted, especially during the Civil War. And he wrote a big essay in defense of Abraham Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation. And in that essay, it's a big one, it's worth reading, uh, Contest in America, I believe it's titled, John Stuart Mill. He writes, war is an ugly thing, but not the ugliest of things. The the decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling which thinks that nothing is worth a war is much worse. When a people are used as mere human instruments for firing cannon or thrusting bayonets in the service and for the selfish purposes of a master, war degrades a people. 
a war to protect other human beings against tyrannical injustice, a war to give victory to their own ideas of right and good, and which is their own war carried on for an honest purpose by their free choice, is the means of their regeneration. A man who has nothing which he is willing to fight for, nothing which he cares more about than he does about his own personal safety, is a miserable creature who has no chance of being free unless made and kept so by the exertions of better men than himself. Eric and every veteran who's in earshot, thank you for your exertions. You are better men than I, and I am kept safe because of those exertions. Bless you all and thank you all. I'm Seth Monologue coming up, as is a lot more. Don't go away. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.